turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we're going to start there today. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to continue this series we started about friends, having the right friends, being the right friend, and keeping the right friends. So we started the series about friendship last week, and we're going to continue this week because uh, it fits perfectly in with life groups and getting involved in doing life together with the right people. And so that's kind of where we're going today. So uh, Acts 2 and verse 42. Now this is the early church. Everybody say the early church. The first 3,120 believers in the early church. Now this was the first day of the church. So this is what the early church did. Acts 2 verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Notice, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. So that's where we're going today. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Created for Community. Created for community. So in this series we just started last week, we're talking about choosing the right friends, being the right friend, and keeping the right friends in your life. And so today we're talking about created for community. God made us for community. He made us for each other. That's the way he designed us and he wired us as human beings that we would need each other. We need other people, other human beings to do life with, to be involved with, to do community with. We are created for community. Now, how many know the creator or the maker of something is the one who gets to decide what the design and the original intent was for whatever they made? And since God knows you better than you know you, he knows you need other people. And he created you and wired you to need others and not do this life alone, but to do life together with other people because you need other people in your life. But not just anybody, the right people in your life. And he created you for community. And when we're not in community, we're not living at our highest potential as believers and followers of Jesus because we were created for community. So God made us and wired us as human beings for community. We need each other. So before we uh, turn here, I just want to give you a little explanation. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You guys remember this story in Genesis? And he created the animals, and he created the mountains, and the seas, and the trees, and the birds. And he created everything, and then he created a man. And after he created the man, the man had complete dominion and authority over the earth. 
over the garden. And he was walking with God and being with God. And up to that point, everything that happened, God said, was good. The birds were good. The animals were good. The trees were good. The mountains were good. Everything God created was good. Man was good. But then something happens, and we're going to read this in a second. He said something wasn't good. Now, this is at the very beginning of your Bible when creation was happening. Why? Because God created you for community. So look at this, Genesis 2 and verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I thought it would have got a little bit better response than that. God said, It is not good. Now, up to then, everything was good. Everything was perfect. Everything was the way that God meant it to be. But then God said to the man, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Now, in the context, he's not just talking about a wife. That's part of it. But he's talking about it is not good for human beings to be alone. They need other human beings. They need community. So just in the first couple pages of your Bible, God is revealing to us that we were all created for community. We were all created for each other. We were all created for fellowship. And if we don't have it in our life, it is not good. And it's not God's original intent because we were created for each other. So he said it is not good that man is alone. It is not good that man is alone. And I know what you're going to say. Well, he had God. Yeah, he did. So he really wasn't alone. But God is the one who said this. And God said, I know how you're created, and it's important that we have a relationship with each other, this vertical relationship, but you need to have some horizontal relationships that are going to help your life. Other fellow human beings, other beings that are just like you, that you're going to do life with, and you're going to live in community. So it's not good enough just me and you. You need somebody else. Now, I wouldn't believe it, but God is the one who said that. God is the one who said, it is not good, Adam, that you are alone. You need other people in your life. It's not good. And Adam and God had a great relationship, a perfect relationship. But God himself said, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. You need other people. You need to do life with other people. It's not good. God knows our creation. He knows our design. Are you hearing me, church family? And he created us for community. He created us to need each other. He said, it's not good that we're alone. Everything else was good. But man being alone was not good. We need each other. So I got interested in looking up some things about being alone. The truth is God created us and wired us to need community, to need friends, to need family, to need each other. God is the one who made us that way. And God has designed us and wired us as human beings to need each other. And when we don't have that, 
we break down as human beings. Not only do we break down spiritually, but physically and emotionally, our body and our mind breaks down when we don't have other people. Now I want to give you some things that I was looking up and studying because I knew this to be true, but I had to look it up this past week. These are secular people giving you this information. People that are not necessarily Christ followers, doctors, psychologists. These are some stats about people that are alone. You ready for this? Why? Because God wired us for each other. And if we don't have that, we're living out of God's original intent and plan. This is interesting. Just in America, half of all the population of America says they're lonely. Half. Do you know how many people that is? That's a lot of people. Over 100 million. Say they're lonely. Why? Because we're the most connected generation ever, but the most isolated generation ever. Because we're connected to hundreds of friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, text message, phone call, but we're lonely. We're lonely. And it's not good what for man to be alone. It's not good. God knew that. He wired us that way. Now, this is what doctors and psychologists say. Physically, this is what happens when you're isolated and alone. You ready for this? Physically, they have studied this, and you are more prone to heart disease, cancer, muscle tension, digestive issues, sleep trouble, headaches, a weaker immune system, and a shorter lifespan when you're alone. Here's what happens to your mental health when you live an isolated, alone life. So you think it's not hurting you. Now we need some better responders today. You think it's not hurting you. Oh, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just by myself. You know who you're hurting? Yourself. No, you're hurting somebody. You're hurting yourself. Because God wired you for community. He created you for community. And it's not good that you're alone. So what's happening when you live an isolated, alone life, you are destroying your physical health, your mental health, and your spiritual health. Because it's not good that man's alone. Mentally and emotionally, this is what happens to you when you are alone. It says you have higher rates of brain fog, paranoia, anxiety, panic, chronic depression, and suicide. When you're alone. Because God said it's not good that you're alone. When you live an isolated, alone life, not only does it destroy your physical health, it destroys your mental health, and it destroys your spiritual health. Why? Because God didn't create you to live like that. He created you for community. He wired you for other people. And so when we live outside of God's will and God's plan, what always happens? Destruction. There's always negative side effects when we live outside of God's will and God's intent because we were created for community. Now let's read a verse, Proverbs 18 and verse 1. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, says this. 
a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desires, and he rages against all wise judgment. Notice that. A man or woman who isolates themselves or, or is always alone seeks his own desires. Now, in the context of this verse, seeks his own desires is not a good desire. Can I get amen? amen? It's not you're wanting to do good stuff. That's why you're isolating yourself. No. A man who isolates himself and is alone seeks his own desires, and he rages against all wise judgment, against all sound wisdom, some translations say. So when you live alone and you live isolated from other people and you don't live in community with other people, you are living a dangerous, isolated life. And you're raging against all wise and sound judgment. How many want to be wise in here? Well, let's be followers of this verse. It says, a man or woman who isolates himself is not wise, but seeks his own desires. And he rages against all sound judgment. Now, we know this. If the enemy, now I'm about to preach. You guys have been way too quiet so far today. Some, some days you forget you're Pentecostal. I'm sorry, i got to remind you. You're just like, why are you being so quiet? The enemy knows. See, there we go. This is what I was looking for. <laughs> the enemy knows if he can get you isolated and alone, then he can take advantage of you. Now, I'm a preacher, but I also watch the Discovery Channel. And if we learn anything from the Discovery Channel and the animal kingdom is this. If the lion can get the one antelope who wants to pasture themselves at Coffee Crossing. If he can isolate themselves, the one person who says, oh, I don't need life groups because I'm my own group. The one dumb antelope who goes off by himself. The lion goes after the one who's isolated, who's alone, because he's vulnerable. And that's why the Bible says the enemy seeks around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. And who is the one he can devour? The person who's isolated, the person who is alone, the person who is secretive, the person who is hiding stuff. That's the person he can take out very easily. Because a man who isolates himself is not wise. He wants to keep you alone. He wants to keep you by yourself. He wants to keep you isolated because not only does he know it's going to affect your physical and your mental health, but spiritually he's going to try to seek after your life because he knows you get into stuff when you're by yourself. Do you want me to be a little bit more bold with you? You don't watch porn at church. You don't. When do you do it? When you're by yourself. <gasps> Don't talk like that to me on Sunday morning. When you say things you shouldn't, when do you do it? When you're by yourself. When you listen to things you shouldn't, when do you do it? When you're by yourself. When you, you hear things and you see things that you shouldn't, when do you do it? When you're by yourself. 
When do you act not like a man or woman of God? When you're by yourself. Why? Because the enemy knows if I can get them by their self and alone and isolated, then I got them. Then I got them. Is that not the truth? Why? Because there's safety in numbers. <laughs> there's safety in numbers. The lion doesn't go after the herd. He goes after the one. The lion doesn't go after the community. He goes after the one. Now, why is there so much talk in the church world about people that think that they can live life by themselves and do life by themselves? The enemy has deceived those people into thinking I can do it when it's all a part of his plan. Oh, yeah, you don't need a pastor. You don't need a church. You don't need a life group. You can watch Christian TV. Oh, he's got you. I don't want anybody speaking into my life. Oh, he's got you. Why? Because a man who isolates himself is not wise. He seeks his own desire, and his desire is not good. Translation, they're alone for a reason because they want to do what they want to do. And they don't want anybody to tell them any different. Thus, they're isolating themselves. Ouch. Come on, am I preaching in this Methodist Pentecostal church? <laughs> Anybody ever watch Shark Week? What is it? It's the one seal. The one seal. All you had to do was stay with the group seal. That's all you had to do. You don't have to be the smartest seal. You don't have to be the best looking seal or have the most money seal. All you had to do is one thing. Stay with the group because there's safety in numbers. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? There's safety in numbers. And if the animal kingdom, who is not as smart as we are, I thought you would say amen on that. Yes, we are smarter than the animal kingdom. If they know that, how much more us as human beings created in the image and likeness of God should get the clue that we can't do life by ourselves. The animal kingdom knows that. What? The predator always wants to take the one. Always wants to take the one. But there's safety in numbers. You could write this down. When you're alone, you're vulnerable. But when we're together, we're powerful. Where's my organ when I need it? When you're alone, you're vulnerable. But when we're together, we're powerful. You ever see some of those shows? Sometimes, if all of them get unified, the animals. Sometimes the reverse happens. <laughs> because if the animals decide... There's more of us than there is of him. The whole thing can change in a second if they get unified. I said if they get unified. Why does the Bible talk so much about you guys need to get in one accord with each other? You need to be of one heart and one soul. That's where the anointing and the blessing and the power of God is poured out. Notice when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Why does he talk about unity so much? Because when we're together, we're powerful. 
But when we're alone, we're vulnerable. And you'll see the antelopes or the wildebeest, if they ever got revelation of who they are and who they're with, they get the lion on the run because they realize there's safety and power in numbers. There's safety in the herd. There's power in the herd. Alone we're vulnerable, but together we're powerful. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Together we're powerful. Because there's safety in numbers. Let's look back over at Acts 2 and verse 42. This is the early church. We're going to read this again. This is what they did. The first 3,120 believers, they got saved on that first day. So it says here, Acts 2.42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together, notice that, in one place, shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together. Now, this is our key life group verse. Notice what they did. They worshiped together at the temple, but also they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what does it say the early church did? Well, the early church realized they were created for community. So this is what would happen in the early church, and that's our example today. Just because we're thousands of years away from this, we don't know better than they did. This is our blueprint on how to do church. And this is what happened in the early church. As soon as people would get saved... They would get them a part of doing the community together, living life together, eating meals together, being a part of each other's life. There was no such thing as this westernized American version of Christianity that we have is that you come to church for two hours on Sunday and then you go live a separate life the rest of the week. That's not Christianity. That's a lie that the American western church has sold you and it's not true. This idea that my spiritual life is two hours on a Sunday morning from 10 to 12, and then I go live my other life the rest of the week. No. That's not the real Christian life. The early church, Sunday, or when they met in the temple, was the starting place, not the finishing place. And they said, we're going to all come together to get inspired, to get taught by the spiritual leaders. We're going to come to worship together and to pray together and to take the Lord's Supper together. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to start there. And then after we do that on Sundays, the rest of the week, we're going to do life with our community. We're going to go from home to home. We're going to share life together. 
And that's what the early church knew, that sometimes we don't get that as modern people, as modern American people who are all about our independence. Too close to home? We're all about our personal time and our personal space. And what I need, you know what you need? Other people. Not your personal time and your personal space. That's why you got issues. Why? Because a man who isolates himself is not wise and seeks his own desires. I just need my personal time, my personal space. No, you don't. You need other people. That's what God says. And so these early believers, as soon as they got saved, they said, get into community. Get a part of this community. Start hanging out with people. Start living life with people. Start praying together and eating together and doing life together because they knew that's the way you're going to grow. That's the way you're going to go and be a stronger believer. That's the way you're going to learn things. That's the way you're going to be encouraged is when you start doing life with other believers together. Come on, are you receiving what I'm saying today? So they knew as soon as they got saved, get them in a group. Get them in community. Start doing life with other people. And notice what it says in the last verse. It says, God added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this is what I see from that. When the church is really the church. And the church is living the way they should in doing life together. And we're really being the light of the world. And we're really being the salt of the earth. And we're really being a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. When we're really living like that, other people that are not a part of us will say, I want to be a part of that. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But that's because the church was really being the church. None of this come for two hours on Sunday and then go live my separate life the rest of the week. That's not attractive. Nobody wants to be a part of that. But when they saw the church doing life together, being the church, living in community, they said, I want that. I want that. And back in those days, it says that the Lord added to the church daily. Are you hearing me? Not just on Sundays, daily. Can we get to the place that's called revival? That people are coming into not just our church but into your home and into these groups and they're getting saved daily. And people are coming into your life and they're getting saved daily. Now, now that's not just preacher talk. That's the Bible. Could we live in a way like that, that revival happens to that level, that when we're really living life together, doing life together, that people say, I want to be a part of that, and people are added to this church daily. That's the goal. That's the point. That's the purpose we're here for, is to add to the church daily, is to see more people come to the kingdom of God. You picking up what I'm laying down so far today? The Lord added to the church daily when they were living in community together. I love this. Acts 2, 41 through 42 in the message. Look what it says. 
It says that day about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. Signed up. <laughs> Just like every one of you are going to do back there, right? Can I get amen? amen? That wasn't a suggestion. That was a command. Signed up. I got a verse for it. Signed up. I better see your name on the list because it says signed up. And notice, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the life together. Are you ready to commit to that? Aren't you tired of living by yourself and isolated? Commit to doing the life together. The common meal and the prayers. But notice what the message says. They committed themselves to life together. I want to tell you something. If you don't commit yourself to it, it won't happen. Why? Something will always come up. Why well, gotta wash my goldfish? I can't come to life group. Hey, I've heard some of those excuses. They're pitiful people. I gotta mow my grass. I gotta clip my toenails. I can't come to life group. Come on now, somebody. You gotta be committed to this. And you want to know the truth? If you're passionate about it, you'll be committed to it. There's a lot of things in your life that no one ever has to tell you to be committed to, and you're committed to. Why? Because you're passionate about it. Your golf game, nobody has to pump you up. Nobody has to preach to you. Go play golf. Come on, you could do it. You make time. Oh, and you spend money. But you can't tithe, but you can spend money on $50 of golf. But you make time, but you're too busy to come to life group, but you're not too busy to play golf. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I've said like way too much common sense the past couple weeks at church. I know it's shocking. Once again, why does this only apply to our spiritual life? Double standard. Oh, but you're committed to doing your school stuff, but you're not committed to your life group? Why? What's more important? What's going to matter in eternity? Your math homework? It's not going to matter after high school. I'm sorry, parents, but it's the truth. <laughs> When's the last time you did geometry if you're not an architect? Brother Josh is the only one who does geometry around here. When's the last time you used algebra in your everyday life? Never! <laughs> Am I hitting a little bit too close to home? So what did they do? They committed themselves to life together. You got to get committed. If you want the results of a life together, you got to get committed. If you want the results of being an all-in person, you got to be an all-in person. If you want the results of the life of a believer, you got to be all-in, a part of it. It has to be the most important thing in your life. And you got to be committed to a life together. Because trust me, things will always come up. Things will always come up. Come on, let's get committed to doing a life together. What if a job opportunity comes up? No, I'm committed. But I'll make a lot of money. No, I'm committed to life together. Jobs can come and go, but I'm committed to life together. 
School events can come and go. No, I'm committed to life together. Hobbies can come and go. I'm committed to life together. Opportunities and other things can come and go. No, I'm committed to life together. Now, that's a real believer. Come on, do you still love me? Am I being a little too strong on Sunday morning? I got to tell you the truth. Because sometimes the enemy lies to you and you actually start believing this junk. And I have to say, no, 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 no. That's not true. Why? Because a man or a woman who isolates himself is not wise. Seeks his own desires, so they committed themselves to doing life together. And if it's going to work, you've got to be committed to. We are committed to so many other things in our life that have no eternal significance. Will not matter. And we neglect the most important things, like our spiritual life. Every other community is a wannabe to the church. But the enemy knows you need community too. So he'll give you all sorts of opportunities. Come join this club. Come sign up for this. Come be a part of this group. Come be a part of that group. And you know what? To some level, they're fulfilling a need in you because you do need community. But they're just wannabe of the real thing. This morning, there's communities meeting all over this region and not in church. Patoka Lake this morning, there's a community. No shoes, no shirts, no problem. Am I right? There's a community. It's just gathered around beer and being at the lake. Today, there's people playing sports. Because their kids are actually going to make it to the NBA, right? And they're gathered around worshiping the community of basketball or football or volleyball, or hopscotch, or knitting, for goodness sakes. (laughs) Now, what are all those things? They're wannabe communities of the real thing. Not that they won't fulfill a need in you, because they will, because it's fellowship, it's community, but it's not the way God intended it to be. You're being too mean on Sunday mornings. No, I'm not. I'm being real. That's what you wanted, right? I'm just getting awful loose two and a half years into this, aren't I? All right, let me read this to you. It says, it's not good for anyone to be alone. We have been designed to share our lives with other people. And God actually had in mind when he built this church. He has a special place where you belong. None of us are perfect, but we're better together. Life groups are moments where you can laugh together, the times when you can cry together, the places we can pray together, and it is where we experience Transformation in Christ together.
Let me read you another thing here. Well, let's turn to Hebrews 10, and then I'll read this. You guys get something today? Because we are better together than we are apart. I'm just saying, don't fall for the lies of other communities that say they're something and they're not. There's nothing wrong being a part of other things, but what comes first? What's the priority? What's really going to help your life, your real life? It's the church. Hebrews 10, we're going to read that in a second. I love this. This is a little bit more lighthearted. It says, sure, you can believe in God and not go to church. You can also play sports by yourself, (laughs) talk to yourself, and high-five yourself. (laughs) Just because it's possible doesn't mean it's better. Life is better together. Come on, can I get amen? Life is better together. So let's read this in Hebrews 10, and we're going to close with this. In Hebrews 10, 22, it says, Let us go right into the presence of God with hearts fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. That's what I'm doing this morning. Now, some of you don't see it as encouragement, but that's what your pastor is doing this morning. As some people do, but what does it say? Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So it says, don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another to do it more often. So we see here in Hebrews 10, He's writing this to this church and he's encouraging them to not stop meeting together. Actually, you guys need to get together more the closer we get to Jesus coming back. And he says, I'm encouraging you to do this, but notice what it says. Four different times in these verses, it says, let us. It says, let us come to God. Let us encourage each other into good works. Let us not stop meeting together. Let us. Why? Why? Because there's certain things you cannot do by yourself. And the writer of Hebrews assumes because there was no such thing as a believer in the early church who wasn't a part of a local assembly. He assumes that they're all coming together. They're all meeting together. And so he says, let us. And in the New Testament, there's over 28 times that it commands us to do things together just like this. 28. 28 things that you can't do by yourself. 28 times that it says, let us come together. Let us do this. Let us 
because you need community. And this is going to sound a little strong. Those 28 times are not a suggestion, they're a command. So if you're not doing that, you're being disobedient to God. And you're out of the will of God. You're being disobedient to God. When we read the Bible like this, this is not just try it if you want to. If you think about it, encourage somebody. No. It's a command. He's saying this is what you need to do. This is God speaking to you. Let's read it again. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us go right into the presence of God. Notice, that's what we did this morning. I didn't go into the presence of God by myself. Let us go together. Is that not what we did this morning? Let us. Hey, my voice is going to last. You watch this. Let's go to the next verse. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. So I'm not just holding on to this hope and faith by myself. We're all doing this together. Let us hold on to this promise. Let us hold on to this thing together. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another. I think that's your verse, isn't it? Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You can't do that by yourself. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. Why? Because they think other things are more important. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The closer we get to Jesus coming back, we need to be together more, not less. We need to be doing life together more and not less. That's what I'm doing this morning as your pastor. I want to encourage you. You need community. You need people to do life with. God created you that way. You need to be committed to doing life together. I'm not saying this for selfish reasons. It's going to change your life. It's going to make your life better. It's going to do something in you. It's going to grow you. It's going to change you. It's going to affect not just your spiritual life, but your Even your mental and physical health is going to get better when you start doing life together with other people. And I want to encourage you, don't neglect. Don't stop meeting together. Be committed to it. Because life together is better. Anybody believe that this morning? Life together is better. There's safety in numbers. There's power in community. There's power in numbers. And that is exactly why you need the church. And when I say church, I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. That's just a start. I'm talking about doing life together. Life groups. Come on, I preach myself happy today. Come on, did you guys receive that this morning? Come on, is anybody excited about life groups today? I am. 
going to be the best season of life groups we've ever had. Before we dismiss you guys in a second uh, to go back there, I just want to say a few more things about life groups. So important to do life together with other people. You know that there is a group that fits you. There is a group that God has for you. So I ask you, just like I have the past several times, step out. Give it an opportunity. Money back guaranteed. I'll give you all your money back if you don't like it. I'm serious. Give it an opportunity. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and open up to somebody. Stop being isolated and alone. Allow yourself to do life with the right people. And I feel this with all my heart because I I chose all the people that are over life groups. They are real people. They are genuine people. They are faith-filled people. And they're going to love you just like I do. So I trust them. And there is a group. Trust me, if you go back there today, don't come up to me and say, well, pastor, I don't really feel like I found a group I fit with. <laughs> That's not true. There is a group. It might not be every group, but there is a group that God wants you to be in. If you're listening to his voice today, there's a group that he's going to lead you. No, yeah, that's the right one right there. Where What, what are you going to have? You're going to have that spiritual connection with people. It's not about a natural connection. It's about a spiritual connection. And God's going to lead you into the right group. He's going to speak to you. So once again, don't come to me and say, I, I couldn't find one. <laughs> That's not true. There's a place for you in this church, in this house, in these groups. There's a place for you. God knows you better than you know you, and he made this available to help your life. Come on, you receive that? So you got to be open. you got to give it an opportunity especially those of you in here that have been isolated for a while, you're going to have to be vulnerable and step out in faith and do this. It's going to help your life. I really believe with all my heart that's where true life change happens is in community, is in groups. And I know... We've done this several seasons before at our church. We've seen the fruit of it. It's changed our church for the better. It's helped us, all of us in here who have joined a group, to be in life with one another, to pray, to grow together, to think together. And I believe this is going to be the best season of life groups so far. Anybody believe that? Now, uh, do the ushers, do you guys have... Anything about life groups?